This is the EWN Podcast Network. Hi, I'm Tara from Plus Fitness with Tara. I'm a curvy, fun, body positive coach and personal trainer. I love business and fitness. Do you have the tools you need to be a rock star in fitness, a healthy love of yourself, and help from me? And sifting through health news will do that. I've got fitness topics and guests. Rock stars aren't born, they're bred in experience and fire. Let's do this together. Hi there, and welcome to Plus Fitness with Tara, the podcast. Today, I'm talking about some topics in nutrition, trying to share some information and shed some light for us as women uh, who work out and women who deal with perimenopause and menopause and women who are concerned about health. So if you fall under those categories, this podcast may be interesting for you. So let's look at the Chopra Center. A little background on Ayurvedic nutrition and health. Um, In this article, they talk about your doshas and your heart. And they state that one reason that Ayurveda is holistic is that the doshas permeate everything, every quality in nature, including human nature. We need to look beyond physical health to apply the doshas to how our emotions work, particularly when it comes to relationships and love. For centuries, the heart has been considered a spiritual center. And in the system of yoga, the heart is one of the seven chakras, energy centers. The heart chakra is the seat of emotions. And here the subtle energy of the heart connects us to love, giving, sharing, empathy, and emotional closeness. Everyone has the experience of the heart overflowing with emotion, but yoga teaches that here is where emotional intelligence is learned. Your doshas have a huge significance in your own emotional intelligence because they give you a personal baseline for the things that come to you naturally. Veta is emotionally changeable and subject to quick mood shifts. Veta types are sensitive to the emotional impact of the moment, They're naturally light, bright, and effervescent, but also easily hurt. Fortunately, the quickness of Veda Dosha makes it easier to recover from hurts. Everyone has an emotional set point that refers to your emotional metabolism, and the set point for Veda is fast. Pitta has a medium emotional set point. Emotions are held onto, and when out of balance, Pitta types hold grudges, remain resentful for a long time, and are prone to jealousy. Pitta dosha is warm, and when it is in balance, pitta types are affectionate and enthusiastic. They are not as swayed by emotions as beta types because there's a strong streak of control and reason associated with this dosha. Kapha has the slowest emotional metabolism. Emotions are steady and reliable with few changes or surprises. It takes a deep hurt to shake kapha types because in general they have an accepting and serene view of life, including other people. Their steadiness makes them good confidence who are sympathetic and supportive. Honor the doshas in relationships. The most common dysfunction in relationship, as seen by Ayurveda, is created by not being aware of the doshas. There are countless marriages where two dosha types are different. The kapha person example will be slow, methodical, showing slow energy in the morning and taking some time to get up to speed for the day's activity. Yet the other partner might be a Veda type, restless, vivacious, bubbling with energy, quick to start the day, and not at all methodical. If these two people have just a basic understanding of their doshas, they can adjust and adapt without feeling put upon or resentful. But without this understanding, what often happens is long-term judgment. The Kapha type is labeled as slow, stubborn, and boring. The Veda type is labeled as flighty, irresponsible, and unreliable. A secondary result, which is just as damaging, is feeling unsupported. Both people can wind up aggravating their doshas by stubbornly refusing to change or be empathetic. The worst example of this occurs with beta anxiety and pitta control. 
Out of balance, sensitive Veda types often feel anxious. This is also true for anyone whose Veda has gone into serious imbalance. Pitta types tend to try, start trying to control everything, including other people, when the stosha is out of balance. Kapha types tend to become depressed or bulky. The importance of emotional intelligence. Besides knowing the basic profile of your dosha type, the next step is to develop empathy. That's the key to connecting emotionally in any relationship. Through empathy, you make the other person feel heard and valued. With empathy, you might be fast to wake up and your partner slow, but you accept the difference instead of judging against it. The importance of emotional intelligence never changes, and when you focus on it, you will choose something valuable for life. Here are six principles to guide you through the process. The first one, commit to never complaining, criticizing, or playing the victim. Imagine the creative, positive future of yourself and your relationship. Don't regret the past. It no longer exists. Be present in every situation as it occurs. Be independent of other people's criticism or approval. Be responsive to feedback. It is fair to say that hardly anyone hits upon these principles by trial and error. A person can live a long time without paying attention to emotional intelligence, and among some people, the word emotion, too, often connotes something undesirable, as if showing emotional sensitivity is a sign of weakness. But emotional intelligence is important for everyone. Our doshas are permanent, and they each have an emotional profile. The fact that humans can observe their emotions is a remarkable trait, and once you begin to observe your own emotions, you can counter the power of an unwanted emotion like fear and anxiety. Whether we admit it or not, emotions fascinate us, but we are too attached to our own emotions, and it takes only a little experience of anxiety, humiliation, rejection, and failure to train us to avoid the minefield of emotions in general. The doshas can lead you to a better place. That's what they are designed to do, and the reward of love and bliss makes every step of emotional growth more than worthwhile. And what is the connection between nutrition and emotions? Well, here's another teaching from the Chopra Center, eating a balanced diet the Ayurvedic way. Long before the U.S. FDA issued recommended daily allowances for fats, carbohydrates, and proteins, we listened to our taste buds to determine which substances were edible, how much of each to consume, and how to create balance in our body-mind. A core concept in the ancient Ayurvedic healing system is the six tastes. Sweet, sour, salty, pungent, bitter, and astringent. A simple way to make sure that you're getting a balanced diet is to include the six tastes in each meal. The energy and intelligence of the natural world is packaged for your consumption in these six tastes. Including all six tastes in every meal not only ensures that all major food groups and nutrients are represented, but it also provides you with a feeling of satisfaction in eating. When you finish a meal feeling satisfied, you will be much less likely to find yourself raiding the cupboards or refrigerator two hours later. The typical American diet tends to be dominated by the sweet, sour, and salty taste, the main flavors of a hamburger, for example. We do need these tastes, but they can lower metabolism, especially if eaten in excess. The pungent, bitter, and astringent taste, on the other hand, are anti-inflammatory and increase metabolism. If we can't build all six tastes into every meal, the next best thing is to make sure that we at least eat, eat each of them every day. Each taste has a different effect on the mind-body physiology. Sweet is the taste of most carbohydrates, proteins, and fats. It is the main taste in starchy foods like breads, pasta, and rice. Meat and fats are also sweet, as are sugar, honey, and molasses. Sweet has a soothing effect on the physiology. It brings about satisfaction and builds body mass. Sour is the taste of acid. The sour taste is found in citrus fruits, yogurt, cheese, tomatoes, pickles, and vinegar. 
Because it stimulates the production of stomach acid, it is stimulating to the appetite and aids in digestion. The sour taste is beneficial for those trying to enhance a sluggish appetite, but may be irritating to those suffering from heartburn. Salty is the taste of the ocean. The salty taste is found in sauces, cured meats, fish, and of course, table salt. It enhances appetite, stimulates digestive juices, and makes other tastes more delicious. Pungent, or the spicy taste, is found in hot peppers, salsa, ginger, radishes, mustard, cloves, horseradish, and most cooking spices. Pungent foods enhance the appetite and improve digestion. The pungent taste also promotes sweating and clears sinus congestion. This taste can help increase the metabolism, but the heat may aggravate pitta imbalances. Bitter is the taste found in green leafy vegetables, broccoli, kale, sprouts, beets, and celery. Bitter foods are depleting and detoxifying to the system. The bitter taste promotes weight loss, but if eaten in excess, may cause some gas or indigestion. Astringent is the taste that puckers the mouth and has a drying effect on the body. Beans, tea, cranberries, tart apples, grape skins, and pomegranates are all examples of astringent foods. How the six tastes create balance and satisfaction? Well, the human brain sends hunger signals when it becomes aware of the need for food. As we eat, our taste buds send messages to the brain, informing it if we've ingested foods that provide the energy and nutrients we need. The six tastes are the codes that inform our nervous system of a meal's nutritional content. If we sample foods that correspond to each of these tastes throughout the day, our meals will provide a wide assortment of health-promoting nutrients. If we do not have all flavors available, the brain is not satisfied and continues to send signals to eat more. As a result, we take in too many calories but remain malnourished. In order to include all six tastes in your meal, you may need to experiment with different food and new spices. According to the Chopper Center, this should be an enjoyable experience to enjoy the experience of nourishing your body with delicious and flavorful food. So then let's connect this. So we have just talked about emotional intelligence, how it relates to nutrition, the Ayurvedic balance, and the six tastes. And now we're going to discuss perimenopause and nutrition. In an article by Scott Jofferson, today it is estimated that more than 40 million American women are in the life-changing phase known as perimenopause. All of these women are likely to experience some symptoms associated with the shift. Perimenopause, from the Greek words of phi, nepho, and gypho, describe the natural hormone transition that occurs during the years leading up to menopause and ending 12 months after a woman's final period. Many women notice the first signs of change in their 40s, but others experience symptoms as early as their mid-30s. In the United States, the average age of menopause is 51, according to the Mayo Clinic in 2009. During perimenopause, progesterone levels normally undergo a gradual decline while estrogen levels fluctuate. These hormones primarily control and regulate the menstrual cycles and help keep a woman's mind, mood, and heartbeat normal. During peak reproductive years, the amount of estrogen circulation rises and falls fairly predictably through the menstrual cycle. However, the estrogen roller coaster, quote unquote, that is set in motion during perimenopause can easily disrupt the normal feedback between the pituitary gland and the hypothalamus, which help regulate the menstrual cycle and estrogen production. The hypothalamus plays a crucial role in regulating blood pressure, body temperature, sleep, and appetite. This interaction encourages the condition referred to as estrogen dominance, meaning there is too much estrogen relative to progesterone. This condition is extremely typical of perimenopause and can produce a variety of new changes. Over the course of the transitional years, progesterone production severely slows down or stops, resulting in a lack of regular ovulation, even though the menstrual cycle driven by estrogen still continues. 
This ever-changing journey is unique, unique to each individual. Unfortunately, the body can go a bit berserk, quote-unquote, as it attempts to make a multitude of adjustments to balance its own hormones and natural healing abilities. The physical changes of perimenopause are rooted in these hormone alterations, particularly the variations in levels of circulating estrogen. Estrogen levels are largely controlled by two hormones known as follicle-stimulating hormone, FSH, a small protein produced in the brain to spur follicle growth and communicate ovulation, and luteinizing hormone, LH, produced by the pituitary gland to help regulate the menstrual cycle and egg production, ovulation. During each cycle, FSH stimulates the growth of a number of ovarian follicles which contain eggs. As follicles grow, estrogen levels increase. When estrogen reaches a certain level, the brain signals the maturity to turn off the follicle hormone and produce a surge of LH. This stimulates the ovary to release an egg from the follicle ovulation. The leftover follicle cells produce progesterone in addition to estrogen for pregnancy preparation. As these hormone levels rise, FSH and LH levels drop. If pregnancy does not occur, the progesterone level falls, menstruation takes place, and the cycle begins again. As the woman nears perimenopause, the number of follicles recruited in each cycle diminishes. When follicles mature, they secrete significant amounts of estradiol. This increase in serum estradiol levels causes a decrease in FSH production in the hypothalamus. Estrogen dominance. The conventional medical mindset is that estrogen deficiency results from ovarian failure. While estrogen levels certainly decrease during perimenopause, they do not fall appreciably until after a woman's final period. During the transition, women are more likely to suffer from the effects of estrogen dominance than from those of estrogen deficiency. In most cases, symptoms of estrogen dominance last for 10 to 15 years, usually more than age 35. It is extremely important for women to listen to their bodies, as symptoms often arise when estrogen overstimulates the body and the brain. Stress can exacerbate the symptoms. Estrogen dominance has been linked to allergies, autoimmune disorders, breast cancer, uterine cancer, infertility, ovarian anxiety, and increased blood clotting. Most of these conditions are caused by fluid retention from increased levels of the fat storing hormone called cortisol. High cortisol levels support a catabolic environment in which complex substances are broken down into simpler ones. Daily stress can increase the results of cortisol and change hormone levels, creating an increase in appetite and thus allowing a woman's body to become more efficient at storing fat, especially in the abdomen, thighs, and waistline. Estrogen dominance can contribute to hot flashes, mood swings, urinary symptoms, irritability, and decreased sex drive in conjunction with additional fat storage. Depending on an individual's symptoms and diagnosis, a complete blood test to check follicle and other hormone levels can be very beneficial. So what are some nutrition strategies? A few simple changes in diet can help balance out the numerous changes that occur during menopause and restore relief for your female clients. One tip is to cut back on highly refined carbohydrates. Highly calorie, nutrient-poor foods are usually loaded with fats that promote estrogen dominance, making it difficult to balance hormones naturally. Diets excessively high in carbohydrates and too low in calories and fats can lead to nutritional deficiencies. Fuel up with foods high in potassium, including most fruits. These foods are full of antioxidants, vitamins, and minerals. Potassium-rich foods also promote healthy water flushing to reduce cramps and bloating and help keep muscles and bones lubricated. Getting enough fiber is important as well. Estrogen is excreted by the bowel. If soil remains in the bowel, estrogen is reabsorbed. Ingest oils, especially omega-3 and omega-6 fatty acid. These help regulate ovarian hormones by impacting prostaglandins, hormone-like substances that control virtually every body function. 
Some oily fish and vegetable oils are also useful in keeping muscles subtle while helping the digestive system. Oils such as primrose and flaxseed are are outstanding in combating irritability, mood changes, headaches, anxiety, and premenstrual syndrome. Include vitamins and minerals, calcium, magnesium, B, zinc, and vitamin E. Maintain a diet rich in protein. Proteins such as eggs, turkey, fish, and cottage cheese will help sustain hormone and brain chemistry balance. Women who consistently engage in moderate to high levels of exercise should consider, consider a protein intake that exceeds U.S. Dietary Reference Intake, DRI, of 0.8 grams per kilogram body weight over density. In most cases, ingesting about 1 gram of high biological protein seems to be the ideal protocol for active females, but intake can be higher based on caloric consumption and exercise intensity. This information is crucial for perimenopausal females, as the ideal situation is hormonal regulation, not fluctuation. It is important to note that excess protein may affect calcium absorption, which is a major and anatomical component of bone density, and that estrogen acts as an osteoclast, cell that breaks down bone. Also worth noting is that insulin, secreted by the pancreas, does not increase protein synthesis, but it does reduce protein breakdown after resistance training. The various symptoms of perimenopause can make this transitional time a challenging one for any female. However, a sound nutrition and exercise strategy can go a long way toward making the journey more balanced. Providing information that is evidence-based and always refer to a nutritional professional when you reach the boundaries or scope of practice as a personal trainer is recommended by this article. And also to note, as more research comes out, it's important to keep on top of what is going on with women's health. Here's some information from Dr. Lynn Kravitz, PhD from the University of New Mexico on women's hormone and athletic performance. What hormonal changes observed in boys and girls at puberty? At puberty, girls develop more adipose tissue owing to their estrogen levels, and boys develop more muscle mass owing to their testosterone levels. What is the female athlete triad? The three components of the female athlete triad are lack of a menstrual cycle, low bone mineral density, and eating disorders. The triad occurs in females whose training levels exceed energy availability. Health consequences include cardiovascular, endocrine, reproductive, skeletal, gastrointestinal, renal, and central nervous system complications. Psychological problems include low self-esteem, depression, and anxiety disorders. The first goal of treatment for suffering from the female athlete triad is boosting energy availability, but increasing intake of foodstuffs and or reducing energy expenditure. Females with eating disorders or disordered eating patterns should be referred for nutritional counseling. Next question that he answers is, what is menopause? Well, we just did a big chunk of that, but here it is. Menopause is a profound transition in a woman's body when menstruation ceases. A fundamental etiology associated with menopause is the intricate link between estrogen metabolism and the autonomic nervous system. Irregular menstrual cycle changes are usually the first symptom. Lower fertility during the perimenopausal stage of a woman's life results in significant drops in estrogen levels. Hot flashes, sudden feelings of heat in the upper body may start in the face, neck, or chest and spread upward or downward. Skin on the face, neck, or chest may redden and a woman usually starts to sweat. Heart rate may suddenly increase and may become irregular or stronger than usual. Hot flushes generally occur during the first year after a woman's final period. Disturbed sleep problems are typically caused by night sweats, insomnia, or anxiety. 
Difficulties falling asleep and staying asleep increase as women go through menopause. Urinary problems tend to be more likely during this period. Moodiness often goes hand in hand with sleep disturbance. There may also be some hair loss or thinning during menopause. Are women at increased risk for cardiovascular disease after menopause? He says yes. Women who are peri and postmenopause are at an increased risk due to decrease in the female sex hormones. Is walking and as effective as vigorous exercise for the prevention of cardiovascular events in women? Manson et al. in 2002 did a study and compared walking and vigorous exercise along with hours spent sitting as predictors of the incidence of coronary events and total cardiovascular events among 73,743 postmenopausal women aged 50 to 79 who are part of the Women's Health Initiative Observational Study. Results indicated that walking and vigorous exercise were associated with substantially fewer cardiovascular events among postmenopausal women irrespective of race or ethnic group, age, and body mass. Prolonged sitting predicts increased cardiovascular risk. Does estrogen affect skeletal muscle damage, inflammation, and repair? He says yes. Estrogen may positively lessen skeletal muscle damage and inflammation from exercise. Theoretical evidence suggests estrogen may encourage recovery and repair of muscle as well. This finding is preliminary and more research is needed to explore mechanisms and further applications. Does hormone replacement affect exercise performance? Green et al. in a study in 2002 found an effect only during high-intensity aerobic exercise. Systolic blood pressure at peak exercise in women taking hormones was lower than in women not taking hormones at almost identical levels of oxygen consumption and cardiac output. He states that further research is needed in this area. Is weight gain during menopause inevitable or preventable? He states, the years during menopause are associated with weight gain and increased central adiposity. Body fat distribution and body composition changes may be due to the hormonal changes and loss of muscle mass occurring to the menopausal transition. The one factor most consistently related to weight gain during menopause, however, is physical inactivity. To avoid weight gain, women should make regular physical activity a priority. Simpkins Silverman et al. 2003 in a study they did. For an in-depth look at how female physiology, metabolism, and energy expenditure connect, plus a full reference list, please see Women, Hormones, Metabolism, and Energy Expenditure in the online IDEA library. So what does this all mean? Well, as a woman approaching her 48th year, um, I have to say that there is one key factor that has helped me out a lot. And while you don't exactly have control of your hormones or the aging process, the healthy habit of nutrition can influence your weight loss and help your overall health. It might be tempted to go on a restrictive diet to prevent any menopause-related weight gain, but severely restricting calories can negatively impact your overall health. Research suggests calorie restriction may also be associated with decreased bone mineral density, something that's already concerned during menopause. According to the National Osteoporosis Foundation, women may lose up to 20% of bone density in the five to seven years following menopause. If you're not sure where to start, a guided nutrition nutrition program may be the answer. With a nutrition program like 2B Mindset, you'll follow the plate it system with food ratios to help you cut calories while still eating a larger amount of lower calorie foods. I have been diagnosed as having eating habits that fall under the diagnosis of a family physician as disordered eating and that I'm a restrictive eater. I will not eat during the day and then eat a huge meal for supper. Not great. Something I struggle with every day. 
And now as I reach the age of 48, I know that this eating habit needs to be tamed. I may never be able to fully challenge over four years of eating habits like this for myself, but I know a few things about myself and I encourage you to go on a self-discovery as well. I have a few coaching tips on how to make this happen, so follow me on social media and engage with me there. Tara C. McDonald, Inc. or Plus Fitness with Tara. So the 2B Mindset program works for me because the amount of vegetables helps me feel full and provides energy when combined with appropriate levels of carbs, healthy fats, and protein to ingest. Counting macros doesn't work for me because I get so restrictive in my mindset. And restrictive disordered, restrictive eating means disordered eating habits for me. I hope this topic on nutrition has been helpful for you. Again, find me at Tara C. McDonald, Inc. I'm plus this with Tara for more support. I'm happy to reach out and listen to your comments and suggestions. Yours in health, Tara.